We are in a series called Yes, mumble, 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 resetting my life. And today is three questions for a reset. Three questions for a reset. And if you missed the, the others, either you are not part of our church or just visiting, to, visiting today, or you are absent for whatever reason, it's on YouTube, it's on Spotify, it's, it's everywhere. So you just have to go to our, our channels, and, uh, and if you're on my channel, I send you the link on that as well for Telegram every morning praying for you uh, on Telegram. All right. Father in heaven, thank you so much for these precious people. They are not my people, they're yours. You bought them with a very high price. You drew them here. They wouldn't be here if you hadn't drawn them. They wouldn't listen if you hadn't gotten through to them. So they are here for you, Lord. I am here as a mouthpiece. So give me the amazing talent. Give me the amazing skills to get out of the way. And let your people find themselves face to face with you, negotiating truth with you directly, heart to heart. Spirit of God, be poured out in this place. Without you, there is no revelation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Look at this beautiful psalm, this one line, Psalm 145 verse 14. It's the message translation. It says this, God gives a fresh start to those who are ready to quit. God gives a fresh start to those who are ready to quit. How often we get there, don't we? After a hard day, after a Monday, after a Friday, after a weekend, after a season, after a sickness, after a COVID, how soon we get to a place where we're just ready to quit. I've had enough. Quit on a relationship, quit on a habit, quit on a good thing, quit on something that was good for me. There isn't a person in this room that hasn't experienced that moment or hasn't been to that place, that crossroad. We were like, I quit. God gives a fresh start to those ready to quit. And here's a lesson if you're not in that moment. But if you're not in that moment right now and you are ready to quit right now on something, someone, and this is a transformational moment, this is a resetting moment right here in this place. Right here in this place. And there are three questions you want to ask yourself when you are about to reset your life. Three very simple, fundamental questions. The first question is, where am I? So I want you to sit back, relax, and ask yourself and process, process. And if you missed anything, I'm going to be sending you the notes via WhatsApp anyway. Right after the sermon is over, the notes will come to you. So you'll get the full outline. So if you're going to take down notes, take down what is God speaking to you? What is he saying to you? What are you deciding as you hear the word of God? Number one, question number one is where am I? Where am I? There's a story of a blind beggar called Bartimaeus. And here in Mark chapter 10, we pick up his story. And he says, then they reached Jericho. That's talking about Jesus and all of his, uh, his disciples. Then they reached Jericho and Jesus and his disciples left town. Jesus and his disciples left town and a large crowd went after him, followed him. 
And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Got that? Sitting beside. Everybody else is walking on the road. Jesus is walking. The disciples are walking. Many are following him. People are walking through Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a cosmopolitan city of that day. It's vital to the entire uh, network of trade and, 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 and social scene. People are coming to Jericho. People are coming through Jericho. They love the walls. Uh, and, then, and, 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 and there's, there's sales going on post-26 December. There's a whole lot of stuff happening. And people are wanting the Zara over there somewhere. And People are coming through. It's exciting. A lot of people are, are, are visiting through Jericho. And in the middle of all of this, this joy and celebration, we have Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road. Okay, that's the situation there. Great day of celebration. It's the day before the Passover. And people are coming in to celebrate the Passover. And Jericho is front and center to trade and to religion and to other things as people come through. And to Jesus, Jesus has been in town. He's the latest one, you know, most downloaded preacher you know, and, 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 and he's just been in. He's just finished his campaign meetings. People are exhilarated. People are changed. People are healed. Great stuff has been happening. All the people were coming through Jericho, uh, Jericho because of the celebration of the Passover. And everyone traveled through that city and everyone was celebrating. Every, except Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. He was not going anywhere. He was not part of the celebration. He wasn't in the celebration. He was sitting beside the road. Something about this Bartimaeus guy. First of all, he has a name. Because Jesus healed a lot of blind people. We don't know their names. We don't know their names. But we know about Bartimaeus. And only Bartimaeus' name, he shows up in the scriptures. In fact, twice over. And here's a hint. In Mark chapter 10, verse 46, which we just read... Bartimaeus is sitting by the road. But few verses down in verse 52, Bartimaeus is on the road following Jesus. That's a reset. That's a life reset right there. Sitting by, by the side of the road. That's kind of like a picture of being sidelined. There's celebration. People are coming through. People are moving on with their lives. The world seems to be getting ahead. And you feel like you're just sitting there on the side of the road. You just feel like you're part of it. You've been sidelined. You don't know what's going on. Or you're not part of the celebration. You don't even know how to get anywhere because you're blind. You don't know what's going on. But first he was sitting there. And then a few verses later he was following Jesus on the road. And that's a reset. How do you get back on the road? How do you get back on the road? How do you get back to what God is doing? What's happening around you? And that's your you are here moment. That's your you are here moment. You, know, you got on a map on the side of the street. You got to map the corner of two roads. Yeah. And you have a spot there which says you are here. It's always fascinated me how they knew. Never mind. Tonight you can laugh later. So when you have that you are here moment, that's when the rest of the map makes sense. And the map doesn't make sense without the you are here moment. You've got to even come to terms with the fact that you are here. You could like to be there, <laughs> but you're not. You are here. 
And it starts with that. It starts with coming face to face with, I am here. This is where I'm at. This is who I am. This is what has happened. This is life for me. You have to know where you are to get to where you want to be. And to know where you are, you need to look at the map. You need to look at the map. So, verse 46, he's sitting beside the road. Verse 52, he's on the road following Jesus. How did that happen? How did that happen? Some transformation happened. Something changed. Some miracle. Some resetting happened. We want to know how. We want that in our life. Let me take you to another story and, 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 and address the issues as to why we don't want to face up to where we are. One is being afraid. One is hiding. One is being afraid. Let me take you back to a story where in the Garden of Eden, you had Adam and Eve. That's right. Mrs. Adam. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from, you remember the story? So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Nice try. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, well, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Interesting. When God asks you where you are, that's a tip off. Because you know that God already knows. So he's actually asking you for you to know. You know, like when my father would walk into the room and he'd say, what are you doing? <laughs> it was a trick question. He already knew what I was doing. And it wasn't in line with what he thought I was supposed to be doing, which is basically studying. So when God asks the question, where are you? That's a tip off. When you find yourself hiding, you know you need a reset. You know something's wrong. If you have a if have something you need to hide, if there's something apart about you, there's something inside you, there's something to you that you need to start hiding from people, hiding from God, hiding from your family, oh, you know you need a reset. We're not created to hide. Our body does not know what to do when we are lying to it. To it. It, starts, it starts showing up in all possible ways. Maybe you're hiding or you're denying your past. There's past and there's denial of what's happened there. Maybe there's others. There's others you're hiding from. So you're distancing yourself from certain people. Some of you haven't spoken to your parents because you just don't want them to be part of the current life you have. Or you don't, you're distancing yourself from somebody who was a positive influence or a disciple in your life or somebody who thought great of you. I don't know who the others are, but you're distancing yourself from them. So it could be the past and you're in denial. It could be others and you're distancing or it could be God and you're doubting. And you're hiding because you have doubts. You're hiding because you don't have faith. You're hiding because you're struggling to believe. Every area of our life, we hide on something. Some physical side of you, you want to hide that, okay? Emotional side, we find coping mechanisms. We want to hide that, work around that. Don't show people what we're like. Relationally, vocationally, spiritually, we're always hiding something, something, something in some way. Where do you go to know where you are? Where do you go to, go to know where you are? The you are here moment. How do you get there? God. God's the map. God is a person. God is not a force. God is not a transcendent being. God is not a, 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 the top of the hierarchy of anything. God is not just some force to be reckoned with. He's not an energy 
All that is a lie from the devil. He is a person. God is a person and he knows you even if you don't know him. And he has always loved you. And by, by love it means he has had an affectionate desire for the success of your life and the outcomes of your life. God created you in his mind first. He thought of you, he spoke your name into existence and he brought you into being on your birthday. He brought you into conception nine months before your birthday. You are not a mistake. You are absolute center of the intelligent plan of an almighty God. And everything else that was used and employed to bring about your existence and everything that has brought you to this day has happened with or without God's doing, but all by God's permission. And God is the one who knows you, knows where you should be, and knows where you are. And it is about trust and trusting someone enough. When you lie down on that bed or that whatever you call it in the, in the operation theater, and you are willing to go under anesthetics, and then you're willing to go under the knife, that's some serious trust. That's some serious trust. You're willing to go into a coma. You're willing to go under the knife of some guy you have never met. That's faith. That's faith. So to come to God and say, God, where am I? You know you're not going to agree with what he says. You know you're not going to like what he says. You know he's going to tell you truth you're going to find hard to swallow. But it takes trust to let him do the cutting up. It takes trust to let him do the speaking, to let him be the source of the truth in your life and not some vague guru on Instagram. God is the map. He's the one who made you. He's the one who's been committed to you from the beginning. He's the one who shed the blood of his own son in order to buy you back. He's the one who has loved you till the very end. He's the one with the long arm has drawn you. So when you go to him, you pray the reset prayer. You pray the hardest prayer that was prayed in scripture. The most daring prayer and the scariest prayer. You pray this, search me, oh God. Search me, oh God. And know my heart. How long you take to let anybody else into your heart. How long you take to, to let a stranger get to know what you're really feeling, really thinking, really knowing, really, really wanting. How we hide our heart, how we guard our heart. That's our private space. I don't want to know what people are thinking of what I want and what I want to be what I'm missing and what I feel like I failed in, my heart. Search me, O oh God, and try my heart. Know my heart. Try me. Underline, try me. Underline, know my anxious thoughts. Figure out what am I so worried about? What's scaring the life out of me? What's working through my, and undoing my assurance, my confidence? What is my, my problem, O oh God? See if there be any hurtful way in me. See if there be any hurtful way in me. Underline see if. See if. Of course there's an if. Of course there's a see. And then lead me. Are you seeing it? Lead me in the way. So you start with search me and then you end with lead me. It's a process. It's a process. And God knows you and God will hold your hand and he'll lead you through that process. If you're in a mess right now, 
financially, emotionally, life-wise, age-wise, chapter-wise. If you are in a mess right now, or there are parts of your life that are a mess, it's a room that needs cleaning, God's not going to point a finger at you because we just had communion and he said no finger will ever be pointed at you till you see my face in heaven. So you could be sure that when you want run into the presence of God, when you walk into God's throne room, when you come into the cathedral of his existence, you know for a fact that there is not a single record of your wrongdoing. Isn't that phenomenal? Isn't that amazing that I can walk into heaven in prayer, in a moment, close my eyes and enter into the cathedral of God and there standing on God around the throne are the seraphims, around God are angels ready to serve my beckoning and I can walk in knowing there is not a single person who can pick a finger against me and hold a sin against me. That, that's how clean the blood of Jesus washes. That's where the blood of Christ was delivered to when Jesus went through the curtains of heaven and into the holiest of holies and he ensured that your debt was paid in full. Your record was completely wiped out. Your charge, I, I can walk into his presence. So when I go to God and say, search me, all I'm saying is, Lord, Lord, there is sin in my life. I'm not gonna have to face the penalty of my sin because you took that, but I do need to face the cleansing of it because there are consequences to sin. There are damages to sin. You damage yourself, you damage people around you, and everybody gets hurt. So Lord, I don't want to be hurting everybody. I don't want to be hurting me. Would you search me? Try me. Look at my anxious thoughts. Where are my thoughts headed? Who have I put my trust in? See if there's any hurtful way in me. Get me out of here. Lead me in the path everlasting. What is question number one? Where am I? And it takes guts and faith to go to God and say, Lord, you know where am I, where I am, would you search me? The second question you want to ask is, who am I listening to? Who am I listening to? Who's the loudest voice in my life? Who am I listening to? So when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, okay, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David was his surname. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd, they turned to him and said, shut up. The crowd turned to him and said, be quiet. And many of them yelled at him. But he only shouted loud. Jesus, son of David, I'm here. Have mercy on me. Ekto, <laughs> let me tell you. Whenever they're shouting, I think there's a parenting tip here. Take notes. Whenever they're shouting, something is already wrong. If you have to resort to shouting, the listening has already stopped. You can guarantee that. If you have to shout, it's because there's something else louder around you. And the crowds, they shouted louder. And they shouted for him to be quiet. That's funny. They yelled, they shouted for him to be quiet. So somebody has to shut up eventually. And the crowds usually win. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Instagram. Come on. The crowds normally win. Media is in your face shouting, telling you what to believe, what is true. 
And anytime anyone pipes up with the truth, anyone pipes up with a conservative mindset, anyone pipes up with a fundamental truth, anyone comes up with even a question to question the woke crowd, to question the liberal crowd, to question the world today, to question any liberal mindset, and Satan is in charge of media, media is all over the place, media is in your face, it is loud, it is in your head, it's in your tests, if you don't pass this test, if you don't think like this, if you don't walk like this, if you don't act like this, if you don't accept the people we accept, you can't work here, you can't do this, you can't, you can't, you can't. And as soon as you figure out bread and butter is at stake, you start compromising. You start compromising. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. That's what Jesus does when you start to pray. You know how many people are praying at this time right now? You know how many people are praying? And the moment you pray, Jesus stops. That's that's my Jesus. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man and the crowd says to him, cheer up. Isn't that a nice crowd? Aren't you the guys who just said, shut up? He said, cheer up. And they, came, they said, come on, he's calling you. You're popular now. You've got his attention. You're an influencer. Come on. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. Take some notes. Crowds shout, Jesus whispers. Crowds shout, Jesus whispers. Crowds tell you to keep quiet. Jesus tells you to come here. Crowds tell you to keep quiet. Jesus tells you to come here. Crowds tell you to be angry, to respond to your emotions. Crowds tell you to be discontent. Crowds tell you to be rebellious. Crowds tell you to be independent. The shout, the loud agenda is thus. But Jesus says, I'll fix you. You come here. You don't have to become like everybody else. I made you. You come here. We need to build some discipline into our lives. We need to understand how to hear Christ's voice in the midst of the crowds. Christ whispers, the crowd shouts. Let me add something to that. The crowd shouts from outside, from without, but Jesus whispers from within. The crowd shouts from without, Jesus whispers from within. And when you've gone deaf to the voice within, not your own voice, Jesus' voice, when you've gone Deaf to the voice within and the voice outside is too loud, a reset is necessary. Number two, crowds interrupt. Crowds interrupt. They quietened him. They quietened him. They were getting, he was getting in the way. He was spoiling the program. They were doing this celebration thing and Jesus was the star and everything was fine. And then this guy comes out of nowhere and changes the program. Crowds interrupt. They quieten him. But Jesus invites he calls him. Jesus, does, Jesus is never interrupted by your problems, by your screw-ups, by your fallings, by your failing, by your faltering. Jesus is never messed up. He could be in the middle of anything. He could be in the middle of a board meeting. He could be in the middle of uh, a recording. He could be in the middle of anything he's doing that he considers important. And you can call on him and he will stop everything and he will listen to you. You will be his first priority. Because he hasn't bought anybody with such a great price that he has you. The crowd interrupts, but Jesus invites, Jesus calls. Jesus never, ever is interrupted by your failing, faltering, or your change of plans. 
you are staying away from God because you, you think you've screwed up your plan so bad that God can't fix you. You think you've made so many mistakes that God is looking at you from the point of view of your performance, but God couldn't be bothered about that. He can wipe it clean like, in you, can, like you can erase a chat. And he can take you into a new place. He can take you to a new chapter of your life, a new truth, a new reality. Christ, the, the crowd interrupts, but Jesus calls you. He calls you to himself. He calls you into a relationship. He doesn't just say, hey, tell him where to go. Tell him to call me. Tell him to call my secretary. He says, come. Number three, the crowd waffles. That's just a fancy W word to say the crowd is up and crowd is down. The same crowd that makes you popular is going to make you unpopular. The same crowd that loves you is going to hate you. The same crowd that thinks you're amazing is also going to tell, tell you that you're a failure. The same crowd that lifts you up is the one that's going to shoot you. And we go for the crowd. We go for the numbers. We go for the likes. That's us. The crowd waffles. One minute they're saying, shut up. Shut up, quiet, shut up, quiet. And the next thing is like, hey, can we come with you? Jesus is calling you, can we come with you? Now we're your friends. Can we come with you? Hypocrites. But Jesus never wavers. Jesus' truth never wavers. What he thought of you before he knew you, what he thought before you knew him, what he thought of you after you knew him, what he thought of you before you failed, what he thinks of you after you failed, his truth remains the same. His love for you remains the same. His feelings or senses towards you, ownership of you remains the same. Jesus never wavers, the crowd waffles. The crowd cares about itself. Bartimaeus was making them look bad. They were he was spoiling the show. He was, he was, he was cramping their style. The, he was making the crowd look bad. But Jesus cares about you. So Jesus sees you in the crowd, through the crowd. He hears you above the crowd. He wants you, not the crowd. He wants you, not the crowd. Question number three, what do you want? What do I want? Question number one. Question number two. Sorry. Question number three, what do I want? Jesus turns to him, he comes to him, Jesus turns to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? When a blind man comes to you and you ask him, what do you want me to do for you? And you're a miracle worker. I think the answer is pretty simple. But I think we need to be asked that question anyway because most of us don't know what we Do I have your attention? Most of us don't know what we want. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked, my rabbi, the blind man said. I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. Go, your faith has healed you. Instantly, one minute, beside the road, sitting, begging. He was begging the crowd, begging from a crowd. But he called on Jesus. We always do that. We beg the crowds, but we can call on Jesus instead. He was begging. He was on the side of the road. His life was status quo. The next moment, God has moved him out. He says, go. Move, you are healed, and it's your faith that healed you. Instantly, reset. God grants him a miracle of instantly changing his life. And that's a moment of faith. But the question needs to be a faith challenge. The question you ask, is he asks you, is a faith challenge. When he says, what do you want me to do for you? He's not asking for a grocery list. He's not asking you for a task list. He's not asking for a to-do list. He's not asking you because he doesn't know. You're blind, what do you want me to do for you? Duh, I want to see. No, 
No. Because if that same blind guy came to you and you say, what can I do for you, blind man? And he says to you, I want to see, what is your answer? You'll be like, yeah, don't we all? But we don't get what we want, do we? That would be your answer. So the reason he came to Jesus, the reason that's a faith question, and the reason he acted in faith is because coming to anybody else to want to see would be impossible. Coming to Jesus and asking, I want to see, was expecting a miracle. When you come to God and you ask for a reset, you need to expect a miracle. And a miracle is something that only God can do. If you're coming here and you want life change advice and something, so like a formula to get your life together, and you want to go out there and do it on your own and postscript Jesus in, in your, in your, in your uh, that's not going to work. You could do it on your own. Why do you need him? Where's the faith? Where's the faith? That's the moment of faith. That's the question that challenges your faith. God, God isn't going to do what you want. God isn't just going to do what you want. God will do what you're trusting only him to do. Do you get this? Do you get this? That's what prayer is all about. Prayer isn't just talking to God. Prayer isn't because Jesus is my friend. Prayer isn't just asking God to do the, the things that are way beyond you. Please bring peace in this world and, and healing for all mankind. What kind of half-hearted prayer is that? When you come to God and say, Lord, give me the courage to say no to this sin, I need to walk away from it. When you come to God and say, God, give me the ability to, to break out of this pattern of thinking, that's when you come to God and say, save me from hell, take me to heaven, that's a faith prayer. When you come to God and say, save my, or bring to, bring to faith my spouse or my, my uh, significant other or my child or my parents, that's a statement of faith. When you ask God to do what only God can do, that's when God gets interested. Otherwise, and for that reason, he has hardly been involved in your life. Faith is what we're asking for. Everything else you can do on your own. Don't take that as a compliment. Don't take that as a compliment. God will do what you're trusting only him to do. There's a story, interesting story, with two of the disciples who were idiots. What do you want me to do for you? He asked two of the disciples who came with their mother. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah? And they said, Lord Jesus, we have faith that you are Bob. You're the, you're the thing. You're the next thing. You're, you're the next dictator. You're the next, you're going to be on the throne. So mom is saying, can he sit on your left hand? And can I sit on your right hand? Because we want front seat view to the coming kingdom. We want to see you win. And we want to be there to see the magic. We want to be part of your glory. Let one of us sit on your right hand and the other sit on your left hand. And then Jesus says to them, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized? He's talking about death and burial. Can you drink the cup? He's talking about his suffering on the cross. Can you drink? Because before the crown, there is the cross. Before the glory, there is the pain, right? That's what you got to face. That's God's plan. And before, without, without suffering, there is no healing. Without suffering, there is no meaning in life. That's how life has turned out, and we've got to accept it. You don't know what you're asking for, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup? And these guys are like, yeah, yeah, we can do it. 
Now, the point of here, that is simple, and I'm coming close to the end, so hallelujah, yay. Not everything you want is God going to give it to you. So when God says, what do you want? It's not Santa Claus. It's not Santa Claus. That's for fake Christians. When you come to God and you ask for something, God's going to give you what is well within his plan and what comes from faith in you. God won't give you that. He says, it's not mine to give you the right and left seats in the kingdom of God. By the way, that's already taken and that's already decided for. You don't get everything you want. Are you getting that? Are you getting that? You don't get everything and anything you want. So you've got to stop and ask, think about the question, what do you want me to do? So half the time we don't even know what we want. And you know what? Even if I know what I want today, it's not what I want tomorrow. My mind has changed so many times that at the age of 53, I don't want what I want, wanted in 43, and I didn't want what I wanted in 23. Your prayer should be your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you come to Jesus, you must first realize that he's king of kings and lord of lords. He's not that guy on the wall with that picture that he looks all bruised and beaten up. He's not that guy. That's not him at all. Jesus currently is on the throne and will bring the entire creation to its knees. Only it's a matter of time. And those who choose to fall before him or bow their knee before he makes everybody bow their knee are called believers. Everybody else. So believing in Jesus isn't just believing that Jesus exists. It is bowing your knee to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because the Holy Spirit has revealed to you who he is. And you call him King. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One more verse as I close. 1 Corinthians 1.30 Everything we have, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, he says, everything we have, right thinking, right living, clean slate, a fresh start, everything that God gives to you comes from God through Jesus. Comes from God through Jesus. So if God is going to answer your prayer, it's going to be through Christ. If God is going to give you something, it's going to be through Christ. If God is going to change something in your life, it is going to be in a relationship with Jesus, through a relationship with Jesus, by the relationship with Jesus. And outside of Christ, God does not work. For no man comes to the Father, but through him. That's God's deal. That's God's terms. You have to deal with it. He's not going to deal with it. He's God. I am not. Simple. Let me leave you with this thought. You can beg from the crowd, but you can call on Jesus. And the crowd will tell you to shut up. But Jesus, over the crowd, will hear you, see you, and call you to himself. He will put the crowd on hold to answer your prayer. But the crowd will put you on the side. So if you've been listening to the crowd, and the crowd could be just one person in your family, it could be one person who's just been a bad influence in your life. It could be your television favorite series. It could be, it could be the books you're reading. It could be the, the mentors on your, on your Instagram page that you're listening to reel after reel after reel after reel. And you've allowed your mind to begin to think the way they think. I don't know who the crowd is. I don't know what the loud noise is. I don't know what the shouting is. But you can stop it right now and say, and he shouted all the more. He shouted all the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I need a reset. I've been sitting here. I want to follow you. I've been on the side of the road. I want to be on the road. 
I want a road to recovery. Would you start me off? It's a question of faith. Trusting God with asking him for what he wants for you and what he can do for you. That's the first step of a reset. Take a moment right now to ask, think, evaluate, reflect. What area of your life needs a reset? I've given you three amazing sermons, messages, and I can say amazing because they're not my amazing sermons. I've, I've learned so much from this. And you can't get through beautiful series like this without letting God do something, without letting God change something in your life. Somebody needs to feel the benefit of a changed life. That's you. Jeremy Dawson and if you liked what you just saw if it was a blessing then hit the subscribe button come on you can do it hit the subscribe button uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us lots of videos coming your way songs worship encouragement come on subscribe let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know write a comment in the section below but let's see you guys again come on subscribe <laughs>